Now's your chance to get caught up on all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. It's This Week in Tech with Gene Destro, driven by your Northern Ohio Honda dealers. Life is better with a Honda. Visit your local Northern Ohio Honda dealer today or online at northernohiohondadealers.com. Now, here's Gene Destro. This week, it's all about communication, or the lack of it, that happens when we connect with others via text, email, and social media. In author Nick Morgan's new book, Can You Hear Me? How to Connect with People in a Virtual World, he argues that the very nature of electronic communications makes it harder for us to understand what people really mean, why that's a bad thing, and what we can do about it. One of my favorite questions when I'm talking to audiences is I'll say, how many of you have sent a two-word email to one of your direct reports, something like, great job, good job, nice job, and it's always 100%. Everybody sent that email if they have people reporting to them. And I'll say, would it surprise you to learn that 60% of the time that email was taken sarcastically? And there's usually an audible gasp from the audience. People are shocked to learn that that email could possibly be misconstrued. But we have a negativity bias when we're not getting as much face-to-face information in the virtual world as we would if we were talking, sitting across from each other. We tend to assume the worst. We assume sarcasm. We assume anger. We assume intent that tends to be negative. And as a result, we're misunderstood much more often than we realize. So what's the antidote for that then? So the antidote begins with being very clear about what your intent is. And so instead of sending, for example, that two-word email saying, nice job, send two words and an emoji with a smiley face. Emojis are crude. They're simple. Most people over 40 think they're sort of immature and childish, but it's time for the older generation to get over that and go with the millennials on this one and start using emojis on a regular basis because crude as they are, they do remove the emotional ambiguity of an email. On audio conferences, I have in the book probably 100 suggestions for the better, but the first one begins with not assuming that an audio conference meeting will be like a face-to-face meeting. In other words, the assumption is we're going to go for an hour because that's what we always did when we met face-to-face. And so you have to make the audio conferences much shorter, take them in 10-minute chunks, and always have some form of interactivity at the end of 10 minutes or switch up the kind of interaction. So instead of just having one person talking, maybe you can have a a round robin, a discussion the next 10 minutes, or maybe you can have somebody else give a report for the next 10 minutes. So mix up the kinds of information that people are hearing. So that's a good way to vary things and keep interest alive on an audio conference. So when it comes to audio conferences, it's not necessarily that people are misunderstanding the intent of what's being said. They're just bored out of their minds. It's both. They are misunderstanding the intent, and the reason for that is technical and surprising. The algorithms that are used to condense the sound, the information that's going through on a phone call, cut out the lower frequencies, and that cuts out emotions in the human voice. And so the voices that come through on an audio conference have less emotion in them than the voices we hear when we're face-to-face. So as a result, they're less engaging and more boring, but we understand them less well because if an emotion isn't coming through, we can't tell, is this person being sarcastic, is this person being friendly, is this person angry, is this person happy? It's just harder to get that information. It doesn't come as through as clearly on the audio conference. So we're working harder 
uh, we have less emotion to engage us, and therefore we should go shorter periods of time and figure out ways to engage the audience better. Does that also translate to social media, where there's been, you know, kind of a ratcheting up of ill will and uh, people saying snarky things and people being outright mean to each other? Is it because they don't understand intent, or is it just that people are more mean these days? So what happens, broadly speaking, in the virtual space is that you don't get that feedback of human emotion that you get when you're face-to-face. So if I say something mean to you in person, I'll see the pain in your eyes instantly. I'll pick it up, uh, unless you're psychotic, unless you're completely lacking in in human affect and the ability to read human affect, uh, you're going to pick up the other person's reaction. We don't get that online in the same way at all. We don't get that instant feedback. And you'd think that might make us more curious about what the reaction was, but instead it tends to lead to a lack of empathy. And hence we get the trolling and the, and the meanness that you mentioned. And so, yes, absolutely. The online world is much meaner, much nastier, because people feel more entitled to be cruel, not because they set out to be cruel, but because they're not getting any feedback that what they're saying is hurting the other person. And so they feel entitled to uh, turn up the heat, turn up the volume. And as a result, the virtual world is a much meaner, nastier place than the face-to-face world. And as a result uh, from that, and the part that really troubles me is that that behavior is becoming the norm in the virtual world. It's also bleeding back into the face-to-face world, and I fear we're getting ruder in the face-to-face world as a result. So what are your recommendations based on what you've studied? So we need to put the feedback back in, and we need to be very clear about what our intent is when we type something, even when we're on a video conference and we think we can see the other person, so we see their reaction, but still, when you translate the human three-dimensional face into two dimensions, a lot of the affect gets cut out, so it's even a video conference is not as good as face-to-face. So we need to be clear about our intent, and we need to constantly ask what the other person's feeling is, their intent is in return. So how did what I just say make you feel? And so we need to add a piece. I liken it to having an MC, a master of ceremonies, for instance, on an audio conference, somebody keeping track of the human emotions and the participation. And if you have somebody worrying about that, that would normally get done by our unconscious minds when we're face-to-face. We'd be sitting across from each other, and I could tell when you were engaged, when you were not engaged, when you were bored, when you were interested, when you were laughing, when you weren't. I can't tell those things as well in the virtual world, especially in social media and places like that, and texting where the amount of emotion that gets through is very minimal. And so I need to ask that. I need to make clear what my intent is. Hey, I don't mean this in a hostile way, but I'm just curious to ask the question X. And then I need to say, and how did you feel about that? How are you doing in this relationship? So does this mean that businesses ought to be doing more of their work face-to-face? I know a lot of businesses have invested a lot in doing virtual conferencing and meetings with people in far-flung places and stuff like that. Does that mean they should get together more often in person? Yeah, that's absolutely one of my recommendations. It's the nature of virtual relationships because of the lack of human connection that they degrade over time. There's a negativity bias. And so if you have an audio conference, a regular team, for example, of people who work in the same company and they meet weekly via audio conference, they don't see each other for a year. By the end of that year, they're all going to be pretty cross at each other if the relationships have survived. And so what I argue is that it's actually an efficiency in the long run because it's expensive to repair human 
the motions and to repair negative workplace situations, that's time-consuming and expensive and difficult. So it's actually an efficiency to get people together on a regular basis. When we communicate face-to-face, we can clear out all of that mistrust and all those little misunderstandings that have developed over time, over a meeting, over a lunch, over a dinner, we can reconnect with one another. And, and so there's a kind of efficiency that is broader than merely the amount of money saved by uh, reducing travel and having everybody communicate virtually. So I think what's happened is, in an effort to save on travel budgets and to to make life easier for people, we've replaced one kind of seeming efficiency with an actual deeper inefficiency. And as a result, you don't have to get together on, on a weekly basis, but quarterly or twice a year or something like that is really essential to keep those human connections strong and to clear out the negativity bias that happens over time. So is there anything big and important that I have missed that you'd like to add? Well, I think the key thing to understand is, so when you get this lack of feedback and the lack of empathy that I mentioned that results uh, from that in the human connection through the virtual world, what happens is we actually, we humans make decisions based on our emotional investment in a situation. That is, the more important something is to us, the more emotions we have attached to it. The less important it is, the less we care about it. That's one of the ways that we use to make decisions. So if you take the emotions out, we actually don't make good decisions in the virtual space. And so it's important to understand for your listeners that if you have a team, for example, that meets only virtually, that team is going to make poorer decisions. That was author Nick Morgan talking about his new book, Can You Hear Me? How to Connect with People in a Virtual World. You can find it now wherever books are sold. Now, before we sign off this week, please note that you can now send us your questions and comments about things we've already featured or that you'd like to see us talk about in the future. Just go to wakr.net and look for the comments section just below each episode of our show. And that's it for now. See you next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Driven by your Northern Ohio Honda dealers. Life is better with a Honda. Visit your local Northern Ohio Honda dealer today or online at northernohiohondadealers.com. Tune in next week for more tech news and listen online at wakr.net.